Good morning, everybody. Sure, great to see you. Thank you so much for the worship. Uh, I just love worshiping together. What a wonderful spirit. Thank you so much. Thanks for coming out today. I figured you'd all take skips today since I was uh, the speaker, but uh, <laughs> nice to see you. <laughs> I want to give a shout out to our visitors. I don't know where you all are, but uh, I've heard we've got 400 visitors on campus today. Do you want to welcome them? Great to have you all here with us. And uh, I also want to, since I don't get an opportunity to talk to all of you uh, this way very often, I don't have many opportunities to recognize all of the wonderful things that everybody's doing. I just wanted to take a few minutes before I share what the Lord's put on my heart to share with you today, uh, just to recognize some really incredible things that are going on, some great achievements uh, that people uh, are, are making these days. You may not know these folks, we're big enough that you might not know them personally, but, uh, but perhaps some of your friends will, and, and, and some are ones you might have as faculty members or as suite mates or roommates. But uh, I just want to give a shout out to Dr. Warren Rogers. I don't know if Dr. Rogers is here today, but uh, he just won an incredibly prestigious prize from the American Physical Society, which is one of the premier uh, associations for physics here in the United States. He won the 2018 prize for a faculty member for research in an undergraduate institution. This is a really tough prize to win, and we're really proud of Dr. Rogers. I don't know if you want to give him a, give him a, a hand. I really enjoyed homecoming and all the people that worked so hard to make homing, uh, homecoming possible a couple weeks ago. Thank you so much to all of you. Those of you in the corral already know about this. and I'm starting to see it all show up on my Facebook feed and everywhere else, but I understand that there's a new show coming here. Uh, Broadway comes to Marion on November 11, 730. All right. Yeah. Might want to be a part of that. Come see it. I think $5 for student tickets for that. I wanted to recognize Adam Bowman and Brooke Holsizer for the program they did on Reclaiming Eros. If you hadn't heard about it, it's a grassroots student group focused on freedom from pornography and healthy relationships. I don't think they mean freedom from healthy relationships, I think they mean healthy relationships. <laughs> Great job, Adam and Brooke. Anybody, anybody here know Hannah Gillespie? Anna, if you're here, great job starting a new young life chapter here at IWU. Very proud of that. We have three faculty members that have uh, given tremendous service to IWU who have given us notice that this will be their last uh, full year of service to us. Dr. Harriet Rojas, Peter, uh, Peter Retz, Dr. Mike Fraxky are going to be retiring this year really icons of service at Indiana Wesleyan University, and we'll have many opportunities to thank them properly and acknowledge them. But I think you ought to give them a hand uh, for all the great things they do. I want to give a shout out to uh, Herb Peterson, Wendy Puffer, Luke Onspach, and Henrik Soderstrom for Marion Design Co., right? All right. This initiative is really doing some incredible things uh, in taking IWU into our local Marian community, so I just want to say thanks to all of them. I'm going to say some names of faculty members, but I don't have time to go really deeply into what they're doing, but I just want to recognize them for their scholarship and the presentations they're going to be doing over the next few months. Dr. Mike Buck will be uh, presenting some of his research at a conference in Paris 
Dr. Amy Leocopoulos will be uh, doing some presenting in her area of Spanish uh, uh, soon. Also want to give a shout out to Aaron Linker. Aaron, are you here? Okay, I thought I heard a little, there you are, way to go, good. Um, she received a Lilly grant-funded internship to work with Cape Able Sensory Products in Fort Wayne over the summer, and she won an outstanding internship award through the IW Career Development Services. So Aaron, congratulations, good stuff. I'm not going to ask for a show of hands, but you've all at least heard of, if you don't listen to it all the time, uh, WIWFM, our radio station. This year marks 10 years uh, of service for uh, WIWFM with Dr. Mark Perry. Well, I need to move along. There are a lot more. But uh, let me just mention a couple. Uh, Carly LaPlante, is Carly here? Carly, we're out where you are. She was named the 2017 NCCAA Dan and Kelly Wood Award winner. This award goes to one woman golfer in the country that best exhibits academic excellence, athletic achievement, and Christian service and conduct. I think you have to be a pretty good golfer, too, to go with that, but uh, good job, Carly. How about the women's swim team? Are you all here? Did you hear that they set all the records for IWU swimming? <laughs> At Purdue last week. Uh, but really, maybe more significantly, <laughs> uh, seven events they qualified for the NAI National Championships in their very first meet. Great job. I think men's and women's basketball, you all have your first games this weekend? Playing Cornerstone? Yeah. Now our CFO, Nancy Schoonmaker, is, came to us from Cornerstone. Nancy, are you here? Back there. Who are you going to be rooting for? All right. <laughs> all right. Well, I am so grateful for the privilege of being here with you at this time in our history. I truly believe that IWU is becoming a beautiful community. You make me proud and thankful to be your president. I love your smiles. I love your laughter. I love your worship. I'm amazed at your abilities and your achievements. Your talents blow me away over and over again when I watch you compete see your scholarship and your performances. You challenge me to be better. You fill me with hope and optimism about our future. I truly believe we are beginning to reflect the beauty of the kingdom of God. But I have a question for us today, and that is, will we be faithful to the calling God has given us, and to the moment in history to which we've been called. You see, we're inundated by narratives of failure and conflict, mistrust and falsehood today. I don't remember a time when more people seemed more unhappy about themselves and their lives. It seems like all of us give vent to the worst of our ideas, our most damaging thoughts, our most negative feelings are always 
on display. But I believe the reality of our day is actually far different from the dominant narratives with which we're bombarded every day of our lives through digital media and through other media. I believe there's never been a better time to live and to serve in our world than today. There are great stories of heroism, of goodness, of brilliance all around us if we open our eyes and our ears to see and to hear what's going on around us. We have more knowledge, more tools, more opportunities to excel than ever before in our history. If you're called into journalism, there's never been a better time to chart the course of a whole industry that is desperate to find intellectual, moral, and spiritual foundations. If you're called into the arts, there's never been a better time to tell the world its greatest stories, stories that capture the imagination, that call us to our best ideas, that inspire us to act according to our best impulses. If you're called into the world of business, there's never been a better time to build companies that offer genuine service that puts the needs of customers first, to build global coalitions that enrich instead of impoverish communities, that make scientific, social, and spiritual breakthroughs accessible to the widest possible audience. I'm telling you, friends, there has never been a better time for God to call us into the world, into his service than today, despite the narratives that you hear so often today. I could go on. Every discipline represented at our university has before it, I believe, some of the greatest opportunities in our history. You see, we live in times of great need. And times of great need are times of great opportunity. All throughout history, times when needs have been the greatest are the moments that call forth people and movements of heroism. It is the moment of need that gives us the opportunity to be challenged to bring forth the best that we have to offer. It used to be when I got a new job, I used to hope that nothing bad would happen, especially right when I first got the job. The last thing I wanted was to have to deal with some crisis or some difficulty in my first months in a new position. But over time, what I began to realize was that it was those very crises, it was those times of challenge that gave me an opportunity to see whether God had gifted me to work in that moment. And it was my ability to follow God's leadership through those hard times that allowed him to begin to place me and use me according to his purposes. So I began to change my prayers from, Lord, keep me out of trouble, to, Lord, help me to be faithful in those moments when you give me a great need to address. So let's talk a little bit more about the needs that are in front of us. I think our world and our nation are facing seemingly intractable problems without either the will or the knowledge to find solutions. And we rehearse these problems over and over again without a feeling of hope for the future. What do I mean? 
Well, there are many of them, but let me give you a few that come to my mind. There is a stunningly uneven distribution of and access to the benefits of material wealth in our world today. And in our belief in the ability to have free markets, the ability to practice our trade, the ability to own property, the ability to reap the benefits financially from our ideas and our work, our commitment to that may blind us to the fact that if the benefits of those wealth become too unevenly distributed in our world, no matter how much we believe in capitalism, it will fail. And today, I don't yet see anyone who's bring, bringing forward the solution to that problem. But you could. What about our, seemingly in, our seeming incapacity to treat our neighbors with equal dignity, respect, and opportunity, regardless of their personal characteristics or their political, religious, racial, gender, or ethnic identities? We seem unable to build coalitions of civic pride and cooperation that allow us to see the best in one another even when we disagree on very fundamental and important aspects of life and truth. And so we resort to conflict and polarization. I don't yet see anyone bringing forward the solution that we need, but you could. What about our unwillingness or our inability to create and protect civic frameworks for peaceful, democratic, mutually respectful shared life that honors the freedoms of conscience, conviction, and religion, but that also rejects violence, coercion, exclusion, exceptionalism, triumphalism. It seems that the only way we build civic uh, frameworks for life together today requires somebody to lose so that we win. That's not the way of the cross. Can we find a way to build a future together, even if we disagree with, other, with each other profoundly? Perhaps most fundamentally, what about our collective global spiritual amnesia? that has caused us to forget that the most important foundations for personal and community well-being are spiritual and moral, not political and economic. We simply cannot have happy and fulfilled lives. We cannot have well-functioning communities if we reject our Creator and live in rebellion to the Creator's design for us. You and I live in times of great peril. And challenge. But it is in these very moments of challenge that God is giving us our greatest opportunities. So here's my question. Will we be faithful to the moment in which God has placed us? How do we, as a Christian university community, fit into a world like this? How do we as individual Christians deeply in love with Jesus, uncompromisingly committed to the truth of God's word, how do we enter a world like that? Friends, you and I need to prepare ourselves. God is giving us this moment 
to prepare ourselves deeply, profoundly to enter a world and to enter into this world in ways that our parents and our grandparents did not. We have a chance to become the kind of people who move the world toward peace, harmony, and well-being. But we have some choices to make. Will we simply go with the flow? Will we accept the narratives of defeat and violence and suspicion and polarization and anger and hate? Or will we plant the seeds of reconciliation, of hope, of a better future? This is a question that God has given to me on my heart so deeply these days about our community. We have the opportunity to become the people, to practice the kind of community together that can offer hope for the future. But I believe that to do that, we are going to have to embrace one of the most difficult calls that Jesus ever made to his disciples. When I was thinking and praying about this recently, I believe God led me back to the challenge Jesus gave his disciples at the pinnacle of his ministry, when he came to the climax of his ministry. He invited his disciples to join him in the company of cross bearers. Let's just look a moment at this passage in Matthew chapter uh, 16. This is coming to the climax of Jesus' ministry. This is the moment when he is beginning to move into those very aspects of his ministry for which he came. And the closer he got to the climax of his ministry, to the point for which God sent him in the world, the closer he came to the crux of the matter for him, the more his disciples could not understand what he was doing. And so we have this interchange with Peter. Jesus began to explain to his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things at the hands of the elders, the chief priests, and the teachers of the law. And that he must be killed and on the third day be raised to life. This was such a hard message for them to hear. And Peter gives the characteristic response. So Peter took him aside and said, wait a minute, Jesus, you've got it wrong. And he began to rebuke him. He said, never, Lord. That's never going to happen to you. That doesn't fit the narrative. This is not why you came. To suffer? To be killed? No. This is not going to happen. And Jesus turns back to Peter and he gives him some really strong words. He says, get behind me, Satan. You're a stumbling block to me. Now notice these words that he says to Peter. You don't have in mind the concerns of God. You have in mind merely human concerns. You're not tracking with what it is God's design was for me and in this world. You're following your own narrative. You're following a human narrative. You're following a narrative where the most powerful win. I'm going to show you a narrative 
how transformation happens in this world. Man, isn't that the way it is for us? Closer we get to the crux of the matter spiritually in our own hearts and in this world, the harder it is to follow Jesus. Then Jesus said to his disciples, Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves, take up their cross, and follow me. Whoever wants to save their life will lose it. But whoever loses their life for me will find it. You see, the cross was the supreme purpose for which Jesus came into the world. The cross represents the center of human history. The cross represents the death and defeat of sin. It represents release from captivity and bondage. In our darkest days, when we suffer the effects of sin, it's the cross that stands as the hope that we have for the future. Now, you know, when we hear those words of Jesus, take up your cross and follow me, what we often hear and think about that is it's take up your burden, take up your suffering, take up something that's difficult for you. But I, I want to suggest to you that I don't think that's what Jesus was saying. Your cross is not something difficult that you have to bear. Your cross is not necessarily some suffering that you have. You see, the cross of Jesus was not a suffering for Jesus. The cross of Jesus was the purpose and the calling of God for his lives. It was the way that God was going to transform the world. It was the reason he came. It was his calling. And when Jesus says to you and me, take up your cross and follow me, what he's not saying is take up some suffering. He's saying take up the calling I've given you to be a new person, to be a new hope, to be a symbol of the grace and the hope and the joy and the well-being that only God can bring in this world. Take up your cross just like I'm taking up mine. Take up your calling to be a new kind of person, a new kind of community. And follow me. But I got to tell you something. If we take up the cross of Jesus, there are some things you got to lay down. You can't pick the cross up until you've laid something down. You notice what it was? He said to Peter, You're going to have to deny yourself. There are some things we have to lay down if I of you, you. And every one of us that live in this community are going to honor the cross that God gives us. If we're going to become the symbol of hope, the example of beauty and well-being, there are some things you and I are going to have to nail, lay down. You're going to have to lay down your fear when God calls you into a new situation. You're going to have to lay down your pride. Some of us are going to have to lay down the pride of our families. We have to lay down the pride of our culture. We're going to have to lay down the pride of our achievements. We're going to have to lay down the pride of our desires. We're going to have to lay down the loves of our life. We're going to have to lay down our prejudices. We're going to have to lay down our agendas. Jesus said, if you're going to follow me, and be the example and the people of hope 
but show the world a better way. If you're going to take up your cross, you have to lay down yourself. You see, the greatest rival, this is not original with me, the greatest rival for our undivided love for God is not our love for the devil. It's our love for ourselves. It's our love for ourselves. But Jesus said, if you take up your cross and follow me, I will give you life. And through you, I'll bring life to others. Jim Elliott has this famous saying, you've probably heard it. He's no fool who gives up what he cannot keep to gain what he can't lose. Now, let me finish my thoughts with you this morning to get some to get personal about this. I think we're becoming a beautiful community. And I think we live in a moment of time when you individually and I and together we can be a community of hope. But there are some things we're going to have to learn about how to live that way with each other. You know, you're all following what's happening right now with sexual harassment, right? You see these ugly, degrading things that happen to the women in our communities. And you all follow the narrative of race and diversity and what's happening in our world, of polarization in our communities. You're following the stories about our inability to understand how to live with people of different religions. Now that one isn't very present with us. We don't have many people that aren't Christian here. We've all followed the story of gender. How do we live with changing ideas about sexuality and marriage and gender? Now, guys, these are the places, these are the places where I think what God wants is for us to be cross-bearers so that we do a couple of things. One is that we hold tightly to Jesus and we allow Jesus to shape us. We do not compromise what Jesus puts in our hearts. And we learn to live together with grace, with love, with forgiveness. When I learned for four years, I, Helen and I worked in England with um, primarily Afro-Caribbean churches. We were usually the only white people uh, in that community. It was one of the most redemptive things in my life. I literally did not know what the life experience of black people was in a white culture. I didn't know what it felt like until that was my community. And while I was white, that was, those were my people. It was my community. And suddenly I began to see what happened, what their life was like. I began to understand some of the things they struggled with, some of the ways they were treated that had always been opaque to me that I could not see. 
I look back on those times and I think, oh my God, some of the things I said and did, how did they even accept me? How did they keep me? I'm embarrassed to tell it to you, but let me tell you one of the things I did, and I, I die whenever I think about this. We were sitting around one day with a youth group trying to figure out how to raise money. Now, guys, hang with me. I know you're about ready to go, all right? This is tough for me to admit I did this. But it was totally innocent. I didn't mean anything bad about it. You know, one of the things we did in our youth group growing up was we would have slave auctions. You ever do that in your group? Where you could buy a youth who would come to your house and do work for you? Or you raise money. So here I am sitting around with my brothers and sisters who had loved me and welcomed me into their community. I, did not have, I wasn't a part of their community, but they loved me and welcomed me in. I was the only white person there. And I said, hey, we could do a... And I said it. Some of them never forgave me for that, and I don't blame them. But many of them said, David, you have no idea. You have no idea, and you need to learn. So let me tell you something. When I think about being a cross-bearer, there are some things I have to lay down. It's my pride to say, are you kidding me? It's my ignorance. There's no way for me to enter into a relationship of love and trust and beauty with my brothers and sisters until I learn how to live together. And this goes both ways. Are you guys with me? You with me? This is real stuff. I don't know what you expected to get. But I'm telling you something, until we learn together to live these kinds of things out as cross-bearers, we can't be the people of God that show a new way. Amen? Amen. So I'm challenging you. I know you want to leave. I know you want to leave. I'll let you go in a minute. <laughs> we have this moment. And we have this time together. And I'm asking us to take up our cross and follow Jesus. Lord Jesus, take us from where we are and teach us. Help us to learn how to live together to be the community of cross bearers. I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Have a great weekend.